Welcome to Caregiving Club On Air. This podcast is dedicated to the millions of family caregivers who want wellness tips and self-care solutions, who seek expert advice, and who want news about healthy aging and how to create well home design in our forever homes. I'm Sherry Snelling, a corporate gerontologist, author, and educator, a TV interviewer, host, and news commentator. I'm joining you from Southern California, where our interviews and news take us all across the country to explore the many ways to help you on your caregiving journey and to lift you up here at Caregiving Club On Air. Welcome everybody to Caregiving Club on Air, and this is our episode on May's Older Americans Month, as well as Mother's Day, and celebrating our military families this month, but also National Mental Health Awareness Month, and then what we're calling Move It or Lose It. So I'm your host, Sherry Snelling, and we've got a jam-packed episode for you. In fact, we had so much For this episode, we're going to spill into a second episode in May just to cover everything we wanted to cover. But I think what's most important is May's Older Americans Month. And we're going to have a great guest on today, Sean Perry, who is the host of The Senior Zone, which is a radio show in the Washington, D.C. and Baltimore, Maryland area. But you can also listen to it on The Senior Zone website. So Sean's going to share with us his secrets to living longer and better. And then in Caregiver Wellness News, we're going to touch upon Older Americans Month. We're going to touch upon Mother's Day. We're also going to talk about military families and a group of caregivers that often gets overlooked, which are youth caregivers who are often caring for military veterans who are either a parent or a grandparent. And then in our Wilhelm Design News, because it's National Mental Health Awareness Month, we're going to talk a little bit about solastalgia. Now, that's a term you may or may not know. I'm going to explain it to you. It's really important for family caregivers and older adults to understand this, but really what it means is having a sense of distress and almost a sense of homesickness, even when you're in your home. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then of course, we're going to end the episode with our Me Time Monday wellness hack. And as I mentioned earlier, we're going to do our spin on the Matthew effect and it's called move it or lose it. So stick with us until the end for that great wellness hack. Hey, so diving into our caregiver wellness news, as I mentioned, May is when we celebrate Older Americans Month. And what's really interesting is that this recognition was actually started by President John F. Kennedy back in 1963, the year I was born, by the way. So it's been a part of what we celebrate throughout the year for a very, very long time. And really what it is, is to recognize the contribution and the role that older Americans play in our society. And this year's theme is called Age my way. And what's really interesting about that is that that theme really relates to how we look at our home environments, how we want to, what, you know, people who are in caregiving and in aging called aging in place, but what I call well home design, which means staying in your home as long as possible and as independently as possible. And that's, so that's the theme for this year. So there'll be a lot of different activities and things that are happening, for instance, at senior centers and other places around the country. Hopefully this will kind of take on as as a broader celebration. Right now it seems to 
mostly be focused on those of us who already work in gerontology or who work with older adults. But it's something I think that, you know, we should give recognition, of course, to our older adults in our society and get everybody kind of engaged in those activities and that recognition. So hopefully that'll be taking hold. And, you know, a lot of this focus now on home really resonates with me because, as you know, we launched a special part of the Caregiving Club website called the Snug Home, which is all focused on well home design for a lifetime. So we have a lot of different articles. We talk about things like biophilic design, which is really a big, big movement right now in the wellness area and also in uh, well home design. And we have checklists and other things going on. So I think it really resonates. And this is also part of my third book, which is going to be coming out, which is called The Snug Home. And it's a family caregiver's guide to well home design. And that's both for your older loved one, but also for ourselves as family caregivers. So just let me, I'm going to just read a few stats to you because you may not know this. And, you know, for people who don't work with these numbers, I forget that some of these are a little bit astounding, but let me read some of the stats about living longer to all of you. So first of all, right now in the U.S., we have about 90,000 people who are over the age of 100. So that makes them centenarians. And then when you typically reach, I think it's over 110, which I know, unimaginable, right? But if you reach that number, then you're considered a super centenarian. And uh, obviously that's a little bit smaller population, but you know, more and more we see the headlines with people who are living to 120 and 124. I've interviewed people before who have told me they definitely think they're gonna live to 125. And so here's another stat that might actually interest you. And that is that 50% of the 10 year olds in the US today will live to 104. 50%, that's half. Half of all the 10-year-olds that we have are going to reach that 100 or more mark. So, you know, this living longer thing is is not something that's going to, it's not a trend that's going to go away. I think the big challenge for all of us is how do we take those, you know, 20, 30 bonus years that we didn't really expect or didn't really plan for and make sure that we aren't living them, you know, we want quality of life, right? We want to be as healthy and as well as we can. We want to be financially well. So there's a lot of things we need to start thinking about that really should consider those extra bonus years. And I think that's part of our mission and our mantra with family caregivers is to really help you find that balance because not only will your your caregiving years you know, start to take a toll, but we want to give you the balance of self-care for your own longevity and for your own health as you live longer. A couple other quick things. The oldest millennials uh, will be age 50 in eight years. Amazing, right? Because I always think of the millennials as still being the young generation, but now that's Gen Z who are kind of the youngest generation that we have. So we talk in aging, we typically use 50 as kind of the demarcation line. So once you're over the age of 50, you kind of fit into this older adult category that we talk about a lot where there's, you know, different needs, different interests and all those kinds of things. So the millennials are going to be joining that club pretty soon here. And then for the first time in our U.S. history in 2032, which is, you know, only 10 years away, we are going to have a milestone. And for the first time, as I said, in U.S. history, since we were founded, we will actually have more people over the age of 65 
than children under the age of 18. So what this means for caregivers is pretty significant. It means we're going to have a lot more parents and grandparents that we're caring for. And I think, again, that's where we're starting to see the shift of more talk about caregiving across the life course or the life spectrum. So, you know, it can start when you are younger and you're starting your family and you've got your children. And then it really, your caregiving years kind of continue throughout your life with the older loved ones you're going to care for. And ultimately, of course, somebody will be caring for you, hopefully at the end of your life. So I just wanted to read the statistics for Older Americans Month because I think they're really they're really significant and they definitely give us a pause for us to think about and things that we have to plan for as families. Now, Turning to another milestone or another celebration, I guess, in May, on May 8th, we have Mother's Day. And I wanted to just give you a little bit of background on Mother's Day. So, you know, we're talking about reaching this milestone of age 100. Well, I don't know if many of you know, but the history of Mother's Day is that it's been around for about 115 years. So there was a woman, Anna Jarvis back in 1907, who had a special memorial celebration for her mother who had passed away, but she really wanted to celebrate the fact that her mom was involved in local organizations that brought women together for friendship and health. 1907, folks. So I thought that was really fascinating because obviously what we're talking about so much these days are our social relationships and how that really does give us better health throughout our life. And so some of these things are really fascinating. And I I thought that was a really cool stat. And then just to tell you a little bit about caregiving for our mom. So first of all, we know that, of course, more women are family caregivers than men, about 61% versus 39% of men. We also know that the average age of a family caregiver now is about 49 years old. And most of us are caring for moms. So two out of three of the people who are being cared for are women. And one of the things that I've talked about on this podcast before is that, you know, we know that Alzheimer's is kind of this disease now that we think about years ago. It used to be that we were very, very concerned about cancer. We still are, but now we have so many different treatments and ways to prevent cancer. Alzheimer's now becomes this new focus because we don't have cures. We don't even have truly effective treatments. And two thirds of all Alzheimer's patients are women. So we will have more moms with dementia and Alzheimer's that we will be caring for. And this is, you know, a big part of what I do. I work a lot in the dementia and Alzheimer's community, and and we're very, very focused on kind of the the female impact of that disease. The other thing is that about 25% of caregivers are caring for two people. Now, this is typically where you're caring maybe for older, two older parents, or you could be caring for a spouse and an older parent, or you could be caring for a sibling and also a special needs child. So, you know, there's a lot of ways that we walk into those dual caregiving roles but you know that's that's a really significant one and i spoke in last uh, last podcast episode about holly robinson pete but she comes to mind around mother's day for me because not just because she has done some caregiving for her mom, although her mom is still pretty, pretty spry, you know, pretty, pretty thriving out there, but she was a dual caregiver because she cared for her dad and also her son who had autism. 
And uh, now her brother, who also has Parkinson's, which is what her father had as well. So just a shout out to Holly, who is a great mom and caregiver. And then there's some differences in how we take care of our moms versus our dads. First of all, just some generic and kind of probably more, this isn't, you know, we know there's no one size fits all for caregiving, but very often with moms, the big concern we have is that our moms want to be safe and they want to be secure. And so those are the things that we think about when we become their family caregivers. How do we help them and support them in that effort? Now with dads, dads really, they kind of just want the control over their life and they don't want to feel vulnerable because, you know, their role has been to be the head of the household, be the fan, the, the person who takes care of and, and protects everybody. They want to continue in that role and not feel vulnerable themselves. So we find that there's a sensitivity to language in terms of how we speak to our dads versus our moms when we go into these caregiving roles. What's really interesting, though, is that there was a, a study that was done by um, Northwestern Mutual, I think it was a few years ago, that showed that more dads are open to talking to their adult kids about long-term care plans and wishes than moms. So we, we've got to get our moms to open up maybe a little bit more to us. And I know my mom listens to this podcast. So hi, mom. And thanks for talking to me about some of your plans. I really appreciate it. And it's very, very helpful as we you know, look forward to long and happy lives. Now, the other thing that we celebrate in May is, of course, National Mental Health Month. And very sadly, right as I was going to record this um, episode, we had the tragic, sad news that Naomi Judd, who is the wonderful, famous country singer, and she's the duo with her daughter, Winona, and they're called the Judds, for those of you who aren't necessarily country music fans. She passed away yesterday. And we don't yet have any information as to what the cause was, but there was a very poignant message put out on social media by her daughters, Winona, and also her daughter, Ashley, who's an actress. And they mentioned that they lost their mom to uh, mental illness. And I know that Naomi had written a book and had talked very poignantly about her struggle with depression. So again, we don't know exactly what you know, happened, but we wish the family and certainly her daughters the best, you know, a week before Mother's Day, they lose her. And also, very sadly, she was to be inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame tomorrow. Well, actually today, which was I'm recording this on May 1st, and we lost her yesterday. So very tragic news. But I think what I wanted to bring this up is not to bring everybody down, but I wanted to highlight some of the statistics around mental health. We hear a lot about our teens and younger generations really struggling with mental health and emotional health issues. But I think sometimes we often overlook our older population. And, you know, the National Association of Mental Illness, NAMI, talks about the fact that one in five adults will experience mental illness in their lifetime. And also the depression increases our risk for cardiovascular disease. We also know that, again, family caregivers who may be suffering from depression, that will increase your Alzheimer's risk by about 40%. So mental health is very much tied to a lot of other health issues, particularly if it's chronic and we're struggling and we're not getting the kind of help, whether it's you know through pharmaceuticals or whether it is through therapy. So we want to make sure that people get the support that they need if they're struggling with things like anxiety and depression, or even a diagnosis of bipolar disorder or schizophrenia. 
uh, or whatever it happens to be. There's also a great organization called Bring Change to Mind. This was founded by the actress Glenn Close because she has mental illness in her family. And it's really to bring about a more positive awareness and reduce and remove the stigma that we have in our society around mental illness. I think we're talking so much more about it, which is helpful for people who do suffer. And then I wanted to just bring up the suicide rates because again, we talk a lot about our younger teens and the increase, particularly during the pandemic. And I think also with the, you know, let's just face it, some of the unkind aspects of social media have really done a lot of damage to our our teen population. But the rates among adults who are 75 to 84 years old for suicide is very high. And it's highest among people who are 85 years or older. And the one thing that I know when I went through my gerontology education is that older adults who have what we call suicidal ideation. Typically, again, they have it for a longer period of time, but also they are more successful. And the the reason I say that is very often with our young teenagers, it's a cry for help. There's an attempt and hopefully there's some type of rescue or intervention that saves their lives. On the other hand, with older adults, there isn't the cry for help. There is this, I don't have the will to live anymore. And that makes them more successful then at their attempts to take their own lives. And, and this is just such a sad, sad note. I wish we had better news for people, but I think it's really important for us to recognize within our friendships and our families, people who may be suffering silently and how we can get them some support. And I do want to just do a shout out that, um, you know, if you have somebody that you're worried about, or if you yourself are suffering, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. And if you're in immediate danger, or you fear that you are going to harm yourself, then please call 911. We want to get you the support that you need. There are people out there that can help you through this but reach out and don't do anything alone. And then going back to what I talked about earlier, May 30th is Memorial Day. And this is the day that we really honor those who have sacrificed their lives so that those of us can live in freedom in this country. And it's a day, I think that, you know, a lot of people think about shopping and you think about vacations or barbecues or, you know, celebration, but please take a pause on May 30th and think about not just our veterans and our military families, because it's also National Military Families Month, but also those who have given the ultimate sacrifice. And speaking of military families, I mentioned earlier about youth caregivers. So the National Alliance for Caregiving did a study in 2020 and found that up to 3.4 million children under the age of 18 are either primary caregivers or secondary backup caregivers, probably to a parent, for another parent or a grandparent. And this is an overlooked part of the caregiving group, if you will, the caregiving population. And I want to do a shout out to Connie Siskowski, who is the founder and president of 
the American Association of Caregiving Youth. She has the best and, and the most prominent national organization and nonprofit that supports these kids who are struggling in school. It's a reason why we have a lot of school dropouts because they're caregiving. And she just has done so much great work. So Connie, thank you for everything that you've done for our, our children. And also, you know, I just would uh, tell you to go back and check our November 8th episode with Richard Louie, who is an MSNBC news host, but he's also a filmmaker and he made a documentary called Sky Blossom and that it is exactly about our youth caregivers for military veterans. It's a fantastic documentary. And I think it says everything that I couldn't possibly say in a much better way. If you watch that documentary, it's really phenomenal. And and Richard just did such a a fantastic job on that. So with that, I'm going to turn to a little pop culture. And as you know, I like movies. Okay. No surprise for anybody who's read my book or listened to this podcast in the, in the past, but I always, you know, here's what I love about movies. It's an escape. It takes you into, transports you into another world, gives you a pause, lets you think about other things, maybe even lets you relate to a hero or a heroine, and you don't feel so bad about what you're struggling with. The one thing I do love about movies, and particularly, you know, I love going to the theater, of course, when everything was shut down during the pandemic, that was pretty sad, but I love DVDs and I love streaming, and here's why. If you're a caregiver and you're really busy, it's super, super hard to carve out two hours to watch a movie, even though you know you want to. So what's great is you can actually, you know, pop in a DVD or put it on, you know, download the stream or whatever and watch it. And then you get interrupted. Fine. Push pause. You can come back to it. I know it's not the optimal way to watch movies, but if we've got to adapt a little bit, then, hey, the technology is going to help us out, right? So just really quickly, I noticed that a lot of movies, you know, more recently about moms, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting older, folks, but I feel like they're kind of negative or, you know, it's like moms who don't want to cope with their kids or moms and daughters that don't like each other very well. And I think, oh, you know what? I don't need to watch that. First of all, that's not my experience. I love my mother. She's my best friend. So I hearken back often to these older movies. So you have to just, you know, roll with me on this, but these are really great movies about moms and daughters that I think are a little bit more uplifting, even though some of them have kind of a tearjerker to them. But I would say for sure, Steel Magnolias, one of my favorites, Sally Field is phenomenal, by the way, but it has Dolly Parton, Shirley MacLaine, Julia Roberts, and the late Olympia Dukakis. It's fantastic. There's also Mamma Mia. I mean, who doesn't love the songs of ABBA? right? It's great acting. And, you know, Pierce Brosnan's in it, for goodness sakes, that's a reason enough to watch it. But you get to sing along with all those great songs. Another one I really, really love, and it's very thoughtful for me, is the Joy Luck Club. And this is such a poignant, it's about the kind of second generation of Asian American daughters who have grown up in the U.S. with all the pop culture and things that we know here, but their moms who came from China and who really struggled with the poverty and the things that were happening, the deaths that were happening and their struggle to get out of China to come here. It is Fearless Females, for sure. It's a wonderful movie. Terms of Endearment, Again, a Shirley MacLaine and, you know, one of my favorites, Jack Nicholson and uh, Deborah Winger. That's a really good one. Fried Green Tomatoes is terrific. 
the sound of music. I mean, you know, hey, there's a, a mom who steps into a role of six kids immediately and, you know, she knocks it out of the park. Go, Julie Andrews. So that one's really good. And then Now and Then, which is a really great one. And I love Aquila in the Bee. That's a little movie that came out a few years ago, but and it's Angela Bassett. And I think it's one of her best performances. She's done so many other wonderful things, but it's a really, really great movie. And if you love words and spelling bees, which is what this is about, you'll really love that movie. It's very uplifting. And so now I want to go into our interview with Sean Perry. As I mentioned, he's the host of The Senior Zone, and they're celebrating their 10th year on the air. So shout out to Sean for all of the great work that he's done. He's just phenomenal. And he really has become an icon, particularly in the Washington, D.C. and Baltimore, Maryland area, because of all the great news and issues and things that he tackles in the senior zone. Now, you know, Sean is also a veteran. He was in the Air Force. So he's going to talk to us a little bit about his secrets of living longer and also recruiting your friends into your boot camp and things that you can do. And he also holds community events. Now, all of this is kind of localized on the East Coast, but the one great thing about Sean's show is you can listen to it on his website at the Senior Zone. So we're going to have a link to that. And I met Sean about nine years ago. He originally interviewed me for his show when my book came out. And we've stayed great friends ever since. And I've been on his show several times. And we just we kind of have a fan club, mutual fan club going. So I was really excited to have him on my podcast and do to kind of turn the tables on him a little bit. And it's just going to be a really great interview. I think you're going to love it. So I have a really special guest on our episode today, and he has been a friend. In fact, I, I checked my notes. He interviewed me when my book came out, which was now about nine years ago. But Sean Perry is the host and creator of the Senior Zone radio show. And so, Sean, we've known each other for a very long time, and I am so excited to have you on now on this podcast to tell us all about the Senior Zone and some other thoughts that you have. So welcome to Caregiving Club on Air. It's a pleasure to be here, Sherry, and to support you and all that you are doing. And yeah, we've known each other, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look as well. And you appeared on the Senior Zone and have supported me so much. So this was an easy lift for me to do to come out and support you and what you're doing as well. But quick, you know, the Senior Zone, we serve, in my opinion, you know, an invaluable and versatile resource each Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on WYCB, 1340 AM. We are now in our 10th year, number one rated radio program for the 50 plus community in Washington, D.C., you know, and I've always just wanted to be a trusted forum, a place where seniors, I still call seniors, could come and receive just trusted information, as well as trying to just inspire them, let them try to achieve the possibilities of their lives. You know, it's just not too late for our older adults. And so that's kind of the inspiration behind the show. In addition to that, we provide tips and directions to senior programs and services, tools, uh, resources. We do events. I'll talk about that later, as well as just offer, you know, advice. Again, now in our 10th year, Sherry, I'm even more devoted than ever before to our senior citizens, but also their caregivers and the families and loved ones that support them each and every day. You know, we provide conversations, Sherry, just to name a few, around topics such as Medicare, Social Security, transportation, caregiving, problem gambling, dating, 
pickleball and just much, much more. You know, we get this information and support from senior friendly organizations, as well as subject matter experts, just like yourself from all across the country. And thank you again, Sean, for having me on your show several times where we talked about caregiving. But that's what I love about your show is you really get into a wide variety of topics and really, you know, the essentials, like you mentioned, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, how to navigate all that, but also the lifestyle stuff, you know, tell us a little bit about the events because it isn't just a radio show. It's, you do a lot of events as well. Tell us about those. Yeah. So we have an on-air presence, right? Which I just discussed every Monday at 10 a.m. But in addition to that, and now we're coming out of the uh, pandemic, uh, we're starting to open up more. I do two events a month, or I used to do two events a month and look forward to doing them again. But my signature event, Sherry, I call it just my baby, is what I call our Senior Spa Day. And this is an event that I do each month, usually the third Wednesday of each month in Washington, D.C., where we provide free. It's that four-letter F word that folks like, seniors like, free. Free haircuts, free uh, manicures, free, uh, what do you call it, cosmetology, makeup services for older adults, as well as hairstyling for the folks that want hairstyling that's done. And this is all basic sort of stuff, but it's all free. It's community supported. All the pamperers, as I call them, donate their time and their resources for this event. We usually have more pamperers than we need in many, many instances. And then while folks are waiting, because, you know, a haircut takes, you know, you know, 10, 20 minutes or so, and there's a line for that, we have, you know, a host of vendors, usually 10, 20, up to 25 vendors that we can accommodate. And these are vendors that provide, you know, resources. These are government, you know, entities, as well as, you know, for-profit organizations as well that come out and provide, you know, their senior-friendly information and materials to our folks to keep them engaged while they're waiting for their service. And then I wrap that around, Sherry, with some form of entertainment. And I take whatever the community gives me on any given month. It could be a DJ. It could be a band. It could be a pickleball demonstration by the Pickleball Association. It could be just whatever the community has to offer that month. I say no to it. I say yes to it, I should say, and never say no to it and allow those folks to come and give to our seniors. And we we were on a, a trend upward just before the pandemic. We had a lot of folks coming out, and I hope that continues once we be open. And our first event is this upcoming May 4th in Washington, D.C. Oh, fantastic. Well, and that's what I love. You've got this really dedicated, loyal listening audience, but you've turned it into a community event as well and kind of created this community around people who listen to you and want to do all these things. So you're my template for success, Sean. (laughs) I mean, you just can't talk the talk and then not walk the walk, right? So that's on air versus off air. So that's what we try, you know, try to do. And, and, and I just want to make folks know that, that they are, you know, special to me. You know, you're much smarter than I am, Sherry, you know, but I got a big heart and I think we, I can compete with you here. Here, I'm not so sure. <laughs> oh, no, you go. Uh, I think in both areas for sure, but you do have a big heart. And, you know, that's really paid off, Sean, because I know that you've had some really great sponsors. You've got the ARPs and, and stuff of the world, but you just recently also got a big fish. You got Comcast now who's supporting your show. So congratulations on that one. 
Well, I appreciate it. AARP is a big fish too. And they, they, they've been with me for nearly nine years now as well. So love the folks over at AARP. But yes, we have been uh, blessed to formalize a relationship with Comcast. I'm so excited about that. You know, just joining forces with them as they, you know, attempt to offer access and innovation and then just enhance the way that seniors can connect and communicate. That number is just growing and growing and growing. So this partnership provides a platform for Comcast to connect its users with our reach here in the D.C. market and hopefully one day, you know, beyond that. It falls under, you know, my my vision, their vision as well of simply improving the quality, the life experience of our seniors. Comcast, in their words to me some time ago, they are affirming, you know, their commitment to creating innovative, forward-looking solutions that's going to empower and connect seniors to many of the needed resources that they need to get in touch with. So together, this intersection of innovation, that being Comcast, media, that being little old seniors own, hopefully we can provide a high-tech, high-touch solution that can ultimately bridge the communication gap that still exists for our much older adults. The younger seniors, they've transitioned and they're a little more tech-savvy. Right. Well, I I agree with you. And I think it's just a great partnership. So we're very excited for you and congrats on that one. You and I talked uh, a few months ago, I think it was, when we were still kind of in the grips of the pandemic, but we were starting to come a little bit out of it. And since we're talking here in uh, May, Older Americans Month, you kind of made a comment to me about, listen, we've got to get back out there. You had started, I think, going back to the gym. Tell us a little bit about what's your message about getting back to you know, life, if you will. Oh, that could be a long story. I don't know if we have enough time, you know, uh, for that. But what I tell my seniors, I'll try to answer this question for you. First, I tell them, you know, my advice to them, and this is just my advice, you know, safety first. If you feel unsafe, if you have any health vulnerabilities, any comorbidities, then continue to wear your mask, sanitize your hands. There's no shame in that game at all. Secondly, beyond that, you know, you know, find things that you enjoy doing. You know, uh, what you're passionate about. You know, we all know these things. What piques your curiosity still? What's on your to-do list? We've had time to think about it now, right? And start checking those things off. And then, you know, solicit friends and neighbors to join you. We need that accountability. I know that I do. So there's certain things that I just solicit friends or or I will start a competition. Like over the pandemic, I had a few of my neighbors as well as a couple of my buddies. We were doing a push-up. How many can do, I think it was 3,000 push-ups in a month. That's 100 wow. a day. Wow. That's a lot of push-ups. Even, I mean, for me, that's a lot of push-ups, you know, every day and to be committed to it. And then we did, so we did the push-ups and the sit-ups, 3,000 in, in a month. And so, and then we would just report our numbers in. I created the spreadsheet and sent it out to everybody because I'm kind of anal that way, Sherry. And everyone reported their daily numbers in and we just seen who could compete. So that kept us engaged. But yeah, for someone like me, I need others because my couch calls my name quite often, Sherry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My couch, my couch and I are best friends. I can tell you that. (laughs) Well, and I love that fact that you kind of you created a little fun with the competition and you've got, you know, you've got your circle, your social circle involved, which I think are two really great tips for our audience. And it works for caregivers, too. Right. Because often when we're caregiving, you know, we're exhausted. We come home, we just kind of plop on the couch, maybe and binge watch, you know, TV for the next four hours. But we kind of have to keep moving. And that was going to be one of my questions. So there's kind of this theory that we talk about in gerontology and it's the move it or lose it. And it, and it applies both to our physical health, but also our cognitive health, our brain health, you know, getting engaged and 
you know, just kind of solving problems, solving solutions, being creative, as you said. What are some of the things that you would say to maybe an older senior or someone who is able to get out, but they're just kind of not as mobile, not as active as they should be? What can get them off the couch and involved? Well, my my message would probably stay the same, whether you are able body or not so able body, whatever you do and to the extent that you can do it, do it with intention. So we all have to make conscious behaviors that will lead to unconscious habits. The more you do it, it becomes repetitive. You don't, At a point, you're going to reach where you don't even realize that you're doing these things anymore. So for me, whether it's emotional health, physical health, financial health, I've just developed a dogged mindset to travel what I call travel light. So what do I mean by that? So physically, lose weight. Get it off of you, right? Travel light physically. Emotionally, leave that baggage, that baggage and junk in the rearview mirror, right? And financially, you know, to the extent that you are able to do so, get rid of all debt that you don't need. You know, at this stage of life, I know that you know this already. I've learned it and I fully appreciate it, Sherry, that less is truly, truly more. And you don't realize that when you're coming up because we're in that acquisition stage, the getting of stuff, right? And we realize at a certain point, we got all this stuff and we still may not be, you know, enjoying life to its uh, fullest. It's not satisfying us uh, to the extent that we thought that it would. And you realize, particularly over this pandemic, we realized all of us how much more we can do with less. We were forced into doing it in many, many respects. But, you know, I now value that. And it's keeping me and has kept me in my stress level, my anxiety level, my worry level, whatever you want to call it, at a minimum. Well, I love that travel light. I think that is a great message. And you're so right. You know, I've recently started going through closets and things and clothes I'm not wearing, you know, shoes I'm not wearing anymore. And it's just nice to kind of pack it up donate it to somebody who's going to get some use out of it. And just, you feel so much better afterwards, you know? So I love that. Well, you know, Sean, I also wanted to touch upon something because I know that you are a veteran. So thank you for your service. And we also are celebrating, you know, Memorial Day in in May and, and all of our veterans. But, you know, do you feel that some of the, the discipline and the things that came out of that, that life of being in the military, um, does that help in terms of now with you kind of creating routines and sticking to them and, you know, having that discipline that I think a lot of us got kind of sedentary during the pandemic, right? We got maybe a little lazy, a little sedentary. How do we get back to that discipline and how did that help you? Like I mentioned just a little while ago, having that dogged mindset, right? You know, so focused and not letting distractions and noise get in your way uh, because that's just there to distract and deviate. And so first and foremost, and I tell this to young folks all the time, right? And I don't expect them to come up with a quick answer, but you got to have a set of core, what I call core values. And what I learned in the, in the, while serving in the Air Force, you got to have a set of core of values. So those are the things that I learned and I lived through throughout the course of my military career. And I carry over into my, my private life. So for me, it's always integrity first. Without that, to me, nothing else will stand, right? Secondly, it's service before self. 
Hence, that's what I'm doing here with the senior zone. And I truly, truly, you know, love giving to others because I've been uh, uh, blessed. And lastly, excellence in all that you do, not perfection. Just strive for excellence in all that you do, and it'll carry you uh, carry you over. So that's the bedrock that I stand on. You know, my set of core values, they just allow me to withstand my own life stresses and challenges when they come, because they will come and they will try to knock you off your stand, off your perch, off your pedestal. But if you have those set of core values, no matter where you are in life, you know, I think you are better equipped to withstand those challenges. Well, I love that. I think that's great. And I love that last one too about, you know, we do want to keep reaching higher. We want to reach for kind of, you know, a, a perfect, if we can, a perfect world, but we know we aren't perfect and it's okay. Right. But, but you got to try, you got to reach for it. So I love that. You and I have talked a little bit about technology and, and we, you know, we both have older moms and so there's technology that maybe helps with them living at home and all of that. But, you know, technology we started using because of the pandemic and it started taking over so much of, of the way that we do things, how we work, how we interact with people, because we had to. What, what would be your advice now that we're getting back out of this pandemic? You know, the technology is great. We, we know that the tools are great, but we also have to kind of do some things in person, right? We have to get back out there. T- tell us a little bit about your philosophy around that. Uh, kind of what I said a little while ago, it, it has to be done with intention. It's just not going to happen. And I fall, you know, victim to it myself. I have the greatest of intentions, you know, each and every day to head to the gym and I'll let things distract me, you know, and get in my way, make up excuses not to go to the gym. And I have a host of excuses. Right. I can repeat them, you know, all the time. I'm sure you do and many others as well. So we have to first just have that, you know, intention. And then, as I said, for me and what works for me, just accountability. So I have a couple of buddies, but I also have the guy at the gym that I have befriended. And I tell him, if I don't show up in a few days, call me, get on my behind to tell me, you know, why haven't I seen you at the gym? I need to see you for this class or that way. So I I put that in place because in some cases, I don't even trust my own my own self. And then, you know, beyond that, once I'm there, you know, you got to have your own desired outcomes. What are you looking to, to achieve and have have done? Only you know that it's all relative. So I have my own desired outcomes, you know, and and what motivates me of my desired outcomes, you know, uh, Sherry, is that sometimes I look in the mirror. I, t- I take this, this shirt off and I look in the mirror like I need to get my behind in the gym, right? I need to go out and walk. I need to go out. And- so the mirror, you know, is a motivating factor for me as well. But then I speak on my show all the time about folks, you know, getting to know their numbers. What do I mean by their numbers? I'm talking about your health numbers, those gateway numbers that we should all know and be monitoring and trying to keep within the scientific normal ranges, right? So your blood pressure. We hear one at 120 over 80. It should be somewhere right around there in that window, right? If it's not, then you need to start working on that to get that within that range. Your glucose, same thing. We all know when we go to the doctor, right? Your cholesterol levels. You should know those sort of gateway numbers because they just, they're the numbers that will then give you indications that something else may go on or could go on, right? And so if you can manage those then I think you can do everything else and and have better health outcomes there. So intention, accountability, desired outcomes, the mirror, if it's a health issue. The mirror can also be holding your checkbook up 
or your, whatever your financial statement is and say, this is not what I want it to look like, right? And start making changes that way. So the mirror is tough, but it's also your friend. The mirror is tough. <laughs> I will say that. The mirror is tough sometimes. It doesn't lie. The mirror doesn't, doesn't lie. lie. Right? That's right. It's that person who's saying, this is real, baby. Look at this. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I love that though. So, and, and I love the accountability part of this. Now I'm going to, I'm going to throw you a question that I don't think I put on our list, but you know, in, in doing your show for now a decade, are there any any wise things that you've learned from all the seniors that either you talk to or some of the experts I know you have in your show? Are there any any things that, that have come out that have really helped you in your life or you've said, wow, that's something really great. I've got to write that down. That's a good one. Yes. I mean, I've received many things. I actually solicit, as you say, many, many things. There was a time, a period of time in the beginning, you know, in the beginning was probably the first four or five years for me where, you know, I started the senior zone and, you know, I don't have any journalism background. I despise, you know, public speaking. Even now, I kind of run up. you're so good at it. You're so good at it, though. I'm a wreck on the inside, uh, Sherry. Truly, trust me. I've become better at managing it, but I just shied away from it. I got to a point where I started saying yes to it and that relaxed my anxiety. And I just started overcoming these self-doubts that I had and not worrying about all of my host and bevy of imperfections, right? And just let it be what it what it was. And I had a few of my seniors when I was talking and, and, and self-deprecating on air about myself, I did it what I thought for a reason because I wanted to inspire other people to do whatever they wanted to do. But, you know, many of them said, look, Sean, you don't need to do that anymore. You know, we trust you. We like you. We know that you're doing the best that you can with the talents that you have been bestowed upon. Just continue to be you. And I had a well-known radio figure, certainly within the African-American community, come on my show. To me, he was a iconic kind of figure. So I saw him growing up. His name was Donnie Simpson. So I had him on my show and he came an hour before the show, came by himself and we were just chit-chatting. And I I shared my insecurities with him. And he says, you know, he was kind of experiencing, experiencing the same thing in his lifetime. He told me that he learned early on that no one could be better at being Donnie Simpson than Donnie Simpson. So just be the best Sean Perry. No one can outcompete Sean Perry at being Sean Perry. Simple, simple advice, but it was just, it was a monumental mind shift for me because all of those doubts and and whatever, that negative energy that I was experiencing or allowing to come into my life and and just rule my life, you know, just kind of started going by the wayside and things began to change. I love that. So just really focus on yourself. Be the best you. Don't worry about everybody else or how you compare, whatever. That's great. You're, you know, Sean, I have to tell you, your messages are so inspirational. I'm going to do a checklist. I'm going to call it the Sean Perry list of life. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I am not that profound, them. Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. You've shared some really great stuff. So, you know, you're a treasure in the Washington, D.C. And, and Baltimore area because people can listen to you, as you said, every Monday, which we love because we love our Me Time Mondays. But for, what about for people who are outside of the area? How could they listen to the Senior Zone? A couple of ways. So we stream live. So each Monday, if you're outside of the D.C. area, like my mother lives in Philadelphia, so she streams my show. I've set it up for her. Uh, so you can go to www.myspiritdc.com, myspiritdc.com. And then if you're not able to stream it live because you're working, you're in the gym, you're doing other things, we plug the show each Monday after our show on our website. 
theseniorzone.com. There you'll see a tab that says radio shows, real self-explanatory. And just you know, click radio show tab and you'll see all the shows that we've had for the past number of years. Fantastic. Well, we're going to put all of that up on our episode guide page when we post this episode for everybody. And Sean, I don't know if there's anything we didn't cover today. We covered a lot, but is there, are there any last words, last messages you want to give to my caregiving audience? Well, one, thank you. I thank you for this opportunity, Sherry. I'm excited. I was a little nervous coming onto, onto your show. I'm usually the one asking the question. So this is a little unusual, uncomfortable for me. But, you know, just continue to live life. We all have whatever that number is, whatever that fixed number of time here on this earth is and may be, just continue to try to maximize it. Just wake up each and every day with something to do, someplace to go, someone to talk to, and not let these times and moments go by because they are so, so cherished. And so I just want folks just to maximize their life. I tell my seniors all the time, you know, get out and do something. Get outside of your four walls. I don't care. You don't have to do a senior zone or a caregiving club, you know, but just get out and do something in your space and in your world that can inspire others as well. So I don't know if I've said anything and given you a carrot or anything there, Sherry, but, you know, I just want folks to, because I think folks, Sherry, if I, if I have enough time, if they still have enough life left on this earth, right, then I just believe that they still have a deposit left to make. And if they have a deposit left to make, It's people like me that can benefit from it, can grow from it, can change from it, evolve from it. So I want all of our seniors to get out there and keep making their deposits on this earth. I love that. That is fantastic. That is another great message that uh, that we're sending out to everybody today. So, Sean, I just have to thank you again for coming on to my show because you've been so gracious and had me on as, as a guest. And I look forward to hopefully talking to you again at some point in the future. But thanks again for supporting me in what I do, because it's really it's really important to me. And you've just been a great friend. So I want to thank you. I will come back anytime. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, however I can support you, you got a friend here and you already know that. Take care. Thank you, Sean. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So wasn't that a great interview with Sean Perry? I just love him to death. But, you know, now we're going to dive into our Well Home Design News. And as we've been talking, it's, you know, May Older Americans Month. And with the theme Age My Way, which means we want to stay living in our homes as long as possible in our own ways. And also May National Mental Health Awareness Month. There's this new term in mental health called solastalgia. Now, you may have heard of this, but many people have not. It's relatively new. It was actually a concept, a philosophy that was you know, founded by and presented by an Australian environmental philosopher named Glenn Albrecht in the early 2000s. And let me explain a little bit as to what it means. So for instance, if you have a natural disaster that really pretty much destroys your home. So maybe it's a flood or it's a fire or it's a tornado or here on the east or on the west coast in California, you know, it's earthquakes. We keep waiting for the big one. But whatever it is, it's a natural disaster. Or maybe it's something that's happening in your neighborhood. So maybe there's been a higher incidence of crime, or maybe you're seeing a lot of urban development. So whereas you could look out your front or back door or your windows and see a beautiful park or, you know, even a forest space. Now it's been turned into office buildings or to apartment buildings. So, you know, there's a little bit of that. 
All of these things relate to solastalgia. And what it really means is that the place, the environments in which we live, now most of us, that's our home, but it can also be our neighborhoods or our local communities are changing. And that change is distressful. Now, for a lot of us, the distress really escalates, I think, as we get older for a lot of reasons. One is maybe we've lived in that community or that home for decades. And, you know, we don't want change. We love the way it is. And yet we don't have any control over that. And so, again, you're going to see a lot of anxiety, a lot of anger, a lot of sadness, a lot of depression, a lot of kind of dislocation and feeling that you want to isolate from all of this. Now, it's very similar but different to something like PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. I mentioned natural disasters. A lot of people, and particularly older adults who go through a natural disaster, if they've been like in a flood or in a fire, they can have symptoms of PTSD. And that's where you go through a traumatic event and then you find it very difficult to calm your nerves and calm that anxiety that you have inside of yourself because you're on that constant alert and anticipate the next disaster. And so there's a lot of work that's been done with our military veterans and our first responders around PTSD, but we know that it also happens to, you know, other populations like older adults. What's different though from PTSD and solastalgia is that the PTSD is something you're going to feel everywhere. So whether you're out and about with family and friends, whether you're in the grocery store, whether you're at a faith-based gathering or you're in a movie theater or wherever you happen to be, you can have a panic attack and you can have these symptoms of PTSD. Solastalgia only happens when we're in kind of the home environment or the neighborhood environment. And again, the walls are closing in. We have that sense of dread, you know, that fear, that anxiety, and it's very difficult to cope. And so it is slightly different. Now, it sounds like nostalgia, right? And they come from certain roots, in fact. So the solace is the Latin word word, uh, solosium, which in the English language is derived from solace. And then the root word algia is the Greek word algos, which means pain. But nostalgia is where, again, we could be homesick and maybe we've moved far away and we can't wait for the holidays so we can get home because we're thinking and, you know, we have these wonderful memories of home or we want to see our old neighborhood again. That's nostalgia. And it's really almost more of a happier, positive kind of connection to place, whereas solastalgia is a disconnect and it's a discomforting, distressful feeling that you get when you're in that place. So this is, you know, again, it's something new. It's something in the mental health area that a lot of the us who are gerontologists and other people are in aging are looking at because we realize that when certain things happen that change those environments for all of us, but particularly for our older adults, because we can't become so attached to the homes that, again, we've lived in for decades, you know, that we've loved and we've, you know, we've nurtured and made our cocoons and our sanctuaries. It becomes very distressful when things change. So there's a couple of things. It's very difficult to identify this from other types of things like, again, anxiety, depression, that can be relating to a lot of things. It could be relating to your physical health outlook. It could be relating to jobs or relationships or a lot of things that could be happening in our lives. So it's hard to say, is it specifically tied 
to the home environment, but you're going to want to be on the lookout for some of those things. Now, one of the things that Albrecht talked about is, okay, how do we address this? And he came up with something called solophilia, which is really interesting because it kind of sounds similar to one of the words that I really love these days, which is biophilia or biophilic design, which is really about bringing nature into your home or being able to view nature from your home, which is really, really important for our overall health and well-being. So solophilia is very similar. And what it really means is developing a new relationship and a love of place. So I think that's really interesting. Now, of course, you know, there's no easy answer to this. A lot of the things that happen within mental health require some kind of therapeutic intervention. There's a lot of um, what we call CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's really talk therapy. It's where you go and you talk about your emotions and your feelings and what's happening. And you come up with constructive ways to reimagine or rethink of the things that are causing you distress and kind of almost create a new story around those things. So that's often very helpful. And, you know, again, a lot of people just are going to dismiss this with an older adult because they're going to say, well, you know, mom or dad or grandma or grandpa are getting older and, you know, they're just kind of, they're kind of depressed and they're, they're not happy with what's happening in the world and things are changing and their neighborhood is changing and we dismiss it. And I think it's really wrong to automatically say, okay, so we're going to let, you know, these, these loved ones suffer. No, we have to figure out ways to help craft, again, solutions on how we can adapt and how we can address these things. So I I thought that was really interesting because it's coming up more and more in my circles in gerontology. I know it's probably not something that, that many of you have talked about, but I thought it was important to bring up, particularly during Mental Health Awareness Month, because these are kind of the things that we're gonna start seeing more and more, again, as we're living longer and we have more and more adults and older loved ones that we're caring for. So it's also um, just, I'm referencing it because it's also part of a lot of the articles and the research that I'm doing for my third book. So my second book is my Me Time Monday book, which is coming out very soon. Fingers crossed, it's almost done. And then I'm simultaneously working on my third book, which is called The Snug Home, A Family Caregiver's Guide to Well Home Design. And I'm gonna gonna touch on Solastalgia in Me Time Monday, but I'm gonna dive deep into it in the Snug Home book, which is a little bit more relevant around our, our home and our spaces that help us be healthy and happy. So anyway, you can look forward to those coming out. And in the meantime, I'll be writing articles and, you know, kind of reporting on some of the research and things that I'm seeing and doing. And so with that, we're going to go into our Me Time Monday wellness hack. And as I mentioned, we're going to do a little twist on the Matthew effect. And the Matthew effect, I'll explain, but, you know, it's something that has been seen and talked about in science. And it's also been talked about in literacy for children. We're going to apply this to aging and to older adults. And we're going to do a little shift and spin on it. And it's also a philosophy that we talk about in gerontology called the move it or lose it theory. So here we are with our Me Time Monday wellness hack. I'm Sherry Snelling, and welcome to our Me Time Monday Wellness Hack. In celebration of Older Americans Month, this episode's wellness hack is about the Matthew effect in healthy aging and how to move it or lose it. 
The Matthew effect initially was introduced as a theory to show why certain researchers received grants and others did not. The theory was that initial success drives future success, a theory known in gerontology as cumulative advantage. The Matthew effect was also applied to children's literacy. If a child learns at an early age to love reading and become proficient, then subsequent learning and success in life is tied in part to that early education and literacy that continues to build upon itself and gives advantage to reading proficient children into adulthood. So let's apply the Matthew effect to older adults and healthy aging. If we begin early to adopt healthy habits, they will continue to build upon themselves to keep us healthier in life, or at least the part of health we can control outside of genetics and other factors. And the more we embrace these healthy habits, then the healthier we become. This goes for both physical and cognitive or brain health. In gerontology, we call this the move it or lose it theory. So what happens if we miss a beat? Let's say we become a caregiver and we have no time, or at least we don't believe we have time for healthy habits anymore and we drop them. Do we start again at square one after caregiving or can the cumulative clock be stopped and pick up where it left off when we can get back to a healthy routine again? In the great movie, The Holiday, Kate Winslet's character, Iris, befriends 90-year-old Arthur, played by Eli Wallach. Iris realizes that Arthur is simply sitting around in front of the TV and is afraid of not being able to walk up a few steps to accept an award, so he decides to decline the award and not go to this event in his honor. He is isolating himself due to a belief he is no longer relevant and no longer capable of the physical stamina to socialize. Sometimes older adults embrace learned helplessness, thinking they are not capable because of age instead of being pushed into adapting or practicing things that will enable them to stay engaged socially. And in opposition of the Matthew effect on the previous slide, we know that we have neuroplasticity to build new brain cells and retrain our neurons to do things not thought possible. We also have plasticity in our physical health as well. The ancient Roman philosopher Cicero called this mind over body. With a little water walking and Iris playing a game where she keeps sliding Arthur's walker away from him to get him to walk a few more steps every day, he makes his triumphant walk up the steps to accept his award at the end of the movie. So here are some things that we can do to move it and not lose it. First of all, simple chores. Now, simple chores is something Gretchen Rubin talked about in her book, The Happiness Project. But beyond happy, you feel you've accomplished something in your day when you look at what you've done and it helps provide a sense of resiliency even when, as a caregiver, you don't have a lot of control over things. So what are some simple chores that can be done in just a couple of minutes? Well. First of all, you can just simply make your bed. Throw that bed together in the morning, and then when you go to bed at night, you feel like you had done something right at the start of your day. How about washing the dishes right after you eat? It will only be one or two dishes, and that's doable, rather than letting them stack up in your sink, clutter up the kitchen, and make you feel like you're overwhelmed. Or how about chopping up your food when you get home from the grocery store and storing it in the fridge? Now, when you're exhausted, you can still toss together something healthy to eat. And how about climbing stairs? You know, 
We don't have time to get to the gym when we're a caregiver, but we can climb stairs in an office building, in retail shopping areas, or even at home. Just going up and down the stairs is simple and easy. You can also park in the middle of the parking lot. It is the caregiver solution to not walking every day because actually you are, you're getting your steps in. But thinking where you're gonna find the time to wash the dishes when you don't even have time to comb your hair, this is the concern that a lot of family caregivers have. So take it in small bites, baby steps so it doesn't overwhelm you, one wash dish, one stairwell, one made bed at a time. The other things that you can do when we're thinking about healthy habits in five minute increments, you can do these every day. And at the end of the week, you'll have 35 minutes of healthy routines built up. So what is it that either you or your older loved one can do in five minutes? Well, how about chair yoga? You can sit right in your chair, search YouTube, maybe put it onto your iPad or your phone. It gives you guidance in how to do that chair yoga for five minutes. You can do the same thing with Tai Chi. You know, we like to get outside when we do Tai Chi and be in nature and breathe in that wonderful fresh air. But again, if you can't do it, how about pulling up an app or a video and you can follow the graceful, slow movements anywhere. The other thing that's really easy to do are wall push-ups. You know, set a timer or do no more than five or 10 push-ups or a couple of minutes and you do these push-ups against the wall and it helps to build core strength. You can also do lunges or squats while you're waiting for your lunch to cook in the microwave. You can do deep breathing where you inhale for four seconds, hold for seven seconds, and exhale for eight seconds. Do that two or three times a day. Whenever you feel stress or a headache coming on, drink eight ounces of water. Often headaches are caused by stress, which makes us feel dehydrated. And stretch while brushing your teeth. That's my new one. It's called habit stacking. You take something you do every day and you habit stack, something that you wanna do that's healthier, that reminds you either to do it right after or during. I multitask and I get in my stretching while I do my brushing my teeth. I put one leg on each side for, of the sink for 30 seconds while I brush my teeth. Or when I'm finished brushing my hair, I go over to the door frame and do a deep Y stretch with my arms up in a Y format and stretch forward. This actually helps fight against osteoporosis. So just remember, move it or lose it. We hope you enjoyed this Me Time Monday wellness hack. Each episode features a new hack. You can also learn about the Me Time Monday workshop and my upcoming book at caregivingclub.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Caregiving Club on Air. Please listen to us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, and other listening channels. Check out all the resources and article links on our episode guide page at caregivingclub.com on the podcast tab, and email us with any questions or comments at podcast at caregivingclub.com. Take care and stay well.